Good morning. He is risen. <laughs> I love that part. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, 2,000 years ago, you sent your Son to pay the price for our sin. Praise you, Jesus, for finishing the work, for rising from the dead so that we have newness of life. You are worthy of all glory and honor and praise. May this day be an honor to you, pleasing to you. Lord, we love you and thank you for eternity. Praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why are you here at 6.30 in the morning? (laughs) I said, why am I here at 6.30 in the morning? Be careful what you volunteer for. Is it because we're excited about what Jesus is going to do today? What Jesus does every day? He lives. Because he lives, he conquers death. Because he lives, he forgives sin. Because he lives, he gives us hope. Now, put yourself back 2,000 years ago on a first day of the week, like this one, at the break of dawn. Would you have wanted to go to the tomb of Jesus? How about knowing what you know now? Would you be getting up before the dawn to see, to see what Mary Magdalene saw? Mary, what time did you get up to devote yourself to the Lord? And the other ladies, Mary, the mother of James, Salome, and Joanna, What time did you guys get up to take the spices you bought and anoint him because you love him? Ladies, are you devoting yourself to him today, every day? How about you, men? Would you really run when you heard the news from Mary? They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Men, Are you running to him today? He's alive. Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. An empty tomb. Hallelujah. (laughs) He has risen. That's why we're here. At least, I hope that's why you're here. You do know we have everything pertaining to life and godliness wrapped up in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to those who have repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus' shed blood on the cross for their forgiveness. And those that believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, those will be saved. Are you one of them? One belonging to the way, as you find in Acts? Second Peter 1, 2, and 3 says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. 
True knowledge, not false teaching, true, as we heard in our baptisms. We must take these scriptures to heart. It does no good to know of Jesus Christ and not know him. For even the demons believe that God is one and they tremble. James 2.19. The scriptures also say through the Apostle Paul in Corinthians 15.3 and 4. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose, was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The death burial, and resurrection of our Lord was to reconcile sinners to a relationship found way back in Genesis, in the garden, before the fall, which will culminate in the future with a bodily resurrection of all mankind, few to life eternal, and many to eternal death. To you, unbeliever, I say this, Therefore, today is the day of salvation. In fact, every day dangling over the fires of hell is a day for salvation. Do not let this day go on into the next, not having placed your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you on the cross. Don't. Don't. Realize this. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Titus 3, 5a. It was by the finished work of the righteous one that he saves us. Nothing you do. Nothing. So, there's an empty tomb. Some would say, so what? Or others would say, it's a hoax. And yet some others would say, he's still dead, but he's in a different grave. But the word of God says, come, see where the place he was lying An empty tomb indeed. A borrowed tomb. (laughs) Who would ever think of such a thing? A borrowed tomb? But our Savior did it. For three days then rose bodily from the dead. Never to die again. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Because he lives, he conquered death. Romans 6, 4, as we heard a little part of it this morning, through 11, says this, Therefore we have been buried with him through the baptism unto death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might, might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in his likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, That our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once. For all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, because he lives, our sins are forgiven. 
It is because of his finished work on the cross and subsequent rising from the dead that we are justified in Christ. We have forgiveness of sins in him. Romans 5, 8 through 9 says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. In Acts, Peter, speaking together with the apostles on trial before the council, and even all the senate of the sons of Israel in Jerusalem, said this concerning orders not to teach in Jesus' name. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. The fact that he lives, that he rose from the dead, shows us that his sacrifice was well-pleasing to the Father. In Isaiah 53, verse 10, it says, But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself a guilt, as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. <laughs> That's a praise. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. It was his bodily resurrection that punctuated the father's approval of his son's sacrifice on the cross, which satisfied the sinner's debt before the Lord. And we see that in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, when it says, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us which was hostile to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross because he lives we have forgiveness of sins this should cause us to rejoice brothers and sisters rejoice are you rejoicing because of your standing in jesus christ your sins are forgiven do you realize that do you live like that? Our sins sent him to the cross. And in Ephesians it says, But God, being rich in his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Because he lives, he gives us hope. His resurrection from the dead is the basis of which Christianity rests and is different from all other religions. We serve a living God. He is not dead. He is risen. Yes. Our hope rests in the true knowledge of him. We will live and reign with him one day, be assured. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. If you'd like to turn there in your Bibles, we'll be camped there for a little bit. It says this, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy 
has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Who was Peter writing this to? I was thinking about it. He was writing this to a persecuted people who needed reassurance, who needed hope. How many of you are going through trials, needing reassurance, needing hope? So what does he do? He praises God because of his great mercy shown towards sinners who were enemies of God. But God in his great mercy, showed compassion on you and me by causing us to be born again. (laughs) We are new creatures in Christ. Though our bodies may die, we are alive in Christ. And someday our new bodies will be raised from the dead, for we will be like him, either at the resurrection of the dead in Christ or as the rapture of his church. We find that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, it says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. And it says... Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Are you looking forward to that day? Is that hope or what? To be with him forever? Dwell on that. Because he lives, we have hope. A living hope, as it says in 1 Peter 1.3, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For we will always be with him. Why? Because our inheritance is imperishable. It will die. It will not spoil. It's eternal. Because our inheritance is undefiled. It's not stained. It's not polluted. It's pure. Because our inheritance will not fade away. It is secure in Christ Jesus, the risen King. His kingdom will have no end. That's a promise from the Father. Spoke to Mary through the angel Gabriel in Luke one thirty three. This is what awaits you, believer, and me. An inheritance that is protected by God, by the power of God, through faith. Does that sound like a prophet still in the grave? Or a king still in the grave? No, it does not. The eternal, all-knowing, all-seeing, everywhere at once, all-powerful, sovereign, unchanging God of the universe is the one who holds us in his hand. Our hope is secure in him. And the culmination of salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. Our glorification. Wow. Comfort one another with these words. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it, is not been, not a, and he, he, it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, Jesus... We will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself 
just as he is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Because he lives, we have hope. So just how important is this resurrection of Jesus? Well, Spurgeon says this of the apostles preaching. The apostles, when they preached, always testified concerning the resurrection of Jesus and the consequent resurrection of the dead. It appears that the Alpha and the Omega of their gospel was the testimony that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead according to the scriptures. He preached that back in 1856, February 17th. The apostles were eyewitnesses to the risen Lord. It's not a hoax. Even Judas's replacement had to be an eyewitness of the resurrected Lord, as you see in Acts 122. That's how important the resurrection is to the foundation of Christ's church. Even Paul was a witness to the risen Lord on that road to Damascus when he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And it was Paul who penned the words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, teaching the Corinthians about the seriousness of the resurrection because the church at Corinth was in doubt about the resurrection. False teaching had come in. They had other religions telling them, no, that's not possible. And even some did not believe Christ himself had been raised. I want to focus in on the risen Christ, our hope, starting in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15, 12, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 21. It says this. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. If in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Then it says, but now Christ has been risen, raised from the dead the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. Because he lives, he conquered death. Because he lives, he forgives sin. Because he lives, he gives us hope. Believer, that's what I want you to leave here today with, hope in our risen Lord. Unbeliever, you have no hope. For the wages of sin is death. We see that on the cross when Christ paid the penalty. Do you want to pay the penalty for your sin? Someone's got to pay. You know, Jesus paid the penalty for your sins, for you, sinner, so that you wouldn't have to. And the verse goes on in Romans 6.23, but 
The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10.9 also says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He is the risen King. Fix your hope upon him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for being raised from the dead, raised from the dead by the Father. Jesus, you took the cup that nobody wanted to take. Lord, you are worthy of all glory and honor. You finished the work on the cross and stamped out death and the risen Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we have hope because of you, because you are alive, not a dead God, not a dead prophet, not a dead man. You are risen. Praise you. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your finished work. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.